0: It's a new year and a new chance for you to make a fresh start with your compliance. For the next 31 days on the FCPA Compliance Report, we're going to be bringing you a daily tip, strategy, or idea that you can use to improve your program. Here's your host, Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist. This is Tom Fox, back again with Vin DeCiani, founder and CEO, president of Affiliated Monitors. Vin, first of all, welcome back. Hi, Tom. Ben, we're going to take some, I think, have some fun today because we're going to talk about board failures and more importantly, what boards can do to remedy some of these failures. So you've looked at a lot of boards, the good and the bad and probably the ugly. And what, what have you seen in those monitorships, at least from the board perspective and more particularly board failures and how you might guide them in remedying those failures?
1: It's a great topic, Tom. And you know that we can talk about this probably for a couple of days and not cover it adequately. There's so many different reasons why there are board failures. And when we're looking at either on a monitorship or even in a proactive engagement, we talk to the board and we try to find out what their engagement is with the company. What did they know? What did they not know? What should they have known? Were they curious enough to ask? So I'm going to try to whittle it down to a couple of points that I have seen where failures have occurred. And unfortunately, these circumstances are still going on with some companies, right? Some of the failures are that I've seen are boards that I'm going to say have their head in the sand. They don't know, they don't care. And even if they do know, the head's in the sand. It's just, I don't know how to deal with it. I'm just not going to deal with it. So I'm going to call it the head in the sand. Then there is, and it's very sad, and it's the thing that I think angers compliance folks greatly, and that is there are instances and um, where there's an overt, overt disregard or concern for doing the right thing. It, I find it remarkable, and it's amazing that it goes on today, 2020, with all of the guidance, all of the lecturing, all of the education and the conversation around compliance and ethics and all of that kind of stuff, yet it still goes on. People at the board level making the decision to do the wrong thing, right? Knowing that the risk is there and being willing to take the risk and pay a fine if that comes down to it and doing that as the cost of doing business. And I don't know... In, in in some of those instances, if the failure by the board in those instances is due to the fact that sometimes government sanctions don't have any teeth. It is simply a dollar figure that the company's going to have to pay with no other consequences. And that still goes on. So th- that's a failure. And that sometimes is on the government side of things. And then the other things that I see... Is they care, the board cares, but they don't do anything about it. It's let's let the chips fall where they may, and we'll we'll just move forward and we'll put a compliance team in place, we'll hire a compliance officer just to cover sort of the basis as a band-aid. And then the last one, and I was reading it in some of the stuff that you've published, is one that I find very interesting, and that is Sometimes boards become overly reliant on controls and numbers, right? So they, what they do is they'll have so many controls on everything that goes on that they don't really take time to talk to people and understand the human side of compliance. And it's all about numbers, and I think things get lost there as well. So it's almost like the reverse. They care too much, but they care necessarily in a in one specific way and not in that broader people kind of approach. Those are some of the values. I don't know if you want me to drill down on them, but I'm going to turn it back to you.
0: Yeah, let's just pick up on that fourth one, okay. uh, because that would be a company that would have the appearance of an effective compliance program. They obviously have controls in place. They have a CCO or other position that's reporting the monitoring of those controls to the board of directors in quarterly or or annual reports and a spreadsheet. We've trained these, we've trained this number of people. It's X percent of our workforce, that sort of thing. But the the human element's not there. The analysis is not there. Mm -hmm. How do you get a board to move who, who seems to be committed, who does have something in place, but get them to understand there is an entire another part of the holistic approach you need to take. And it is, it's is—it's not simply numbers-based. It's what do the numbers mean? Exactly.
1: I think that the best analogy is probably in the sort of the banking and the financial services area where they're heavily regulated. And compliance is a norm. Filling out the forms, checking the boxes, making sure this is done, that's done, this is done, that's done. Having thousands of people focused on compliance but no consideration at all to ethics and ethical culture. And that's where the ball is missed. And again, those are the sort of Wells Fargo's of the world and other entities like that, where it's just regulatory compliance is the the practice. And they don't realize that there's so much more to the ethical side of culture and compliance and the people side of things that they're not seeing the forest through the trees. So yes, they, they're beautiful. They're getting great grades from auditors because all of the forms are checked. And yet people are doing things that are just astounding that because they just, either they haven't had the either an appreciation or a focus on ethical culture and what it make, means to make a decision that sometimes is a tough decision or to be able to go ask somebody a question when they're not sure and not get their head bitten off all of those sort of those ethical considerations i think are just missed in those spaces and you try to talk to them and you try to talk to boards and you get oh that's a great idea we'll get to it in 2 years but first we have to make sure that our compliance function is working appropriately so that we can stay as a AAA rating or whatever it is that they're trying to achieve. And so you can't, hearts and minds don't change unless something sometimes happens and they're challenged with an ethical challenge, not a compliance challenge, but an ethical challenge. That's when they start to see it. And sometimes that happens with a whistleblower. Sometimes it happens with something that might come through an internal audit that found some kind of an element in this country. Something's going on there that has a deeper meaning. But that's how sometimes those things are detected. And that's unfortunately the driver of the change to focus not just on the numbers, but also on the due diligence
0: on the compliance side of things. Ben, as we near the end of our time for this episode, I was wondering if you might have three key takeaways for us.
1: Some of the things that I think about, and we didn't catch all of these, but a board has to be actively engaged in compliance. It just has to be. And that doesn't necessarily mean controlling compliance, but understanding the compliance structure and what it's trying to achieve, right? That's going to be key to that relationship between the compliance function and then the board. I think that's very important. I think another one is Again, sometimes compliance officers are only replying to the, reporting to the audit committee. What does that look like? Is the audit committee really focused on ethics and compliance, or is it focused on numbers? You know what I mean? And the controls. Maybe the reporting structure needs to be a little bit broader than just internal, the internal audit. And then the third one is, and it's something you and I've talked about, and that's the notion of creating a compliance committee of a board, which has more of a focus on compliance and ethics as opposed to just audit and finance. I think compliance committees are very good to have. i like to see a board structure that has a charter for a committee in terms of what its responsibilities are. Sometimes it can be a policy setting position on a board in terms of what direction the board wants to go in. I'm going to just also throw this one in because I have to. And that is compliance boards, rather, really do need to focus on the resources that are made available to compliance. A compliance program that and a team that works on a shoestring budget, it's going to be limited. It's just necessarily going to be limited by its ability to finance initiatives. Those are my takeaways, Tom.
0: Ben, thanks very much. I look forward to continuing the conversation. Terrific. Thanks, Tom. Thank you for listening to this episode of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program, where in the month of August, we're going to take a look at the role of the Board of Directors in a best practices compliance program. This production of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. I hope you will join me again tomorrow.